Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Your credit score impacts you in many ways. Not only does it determine if you can get a loan, but it determines what interest you pay. It also can have an impact on your auto and homeowner's insurance and possibly even your job. Joining us today is credit specialist Chuck Harris to share with us seven steps to better credit. Welcome, Chuck. Thank you. Hey, it's great to have you. And you described to me when I first met you why you do what you do. And I'd like you to share with our listeners why that is. I started out my career in the finance business as a residential loan officer. And we were a subprime lender in the days when there was such a thing as subprime, meaning that if you weren't credit qualified or you didn't quite hit the parameters that a bank needed to do a loan for you when you went to apply for a mortgage, then the banks would send you to the company that I worked for, which is not operating anymore, but it was Republic Mortgage. So our business model was to approach the bank, say, look, if you've got somebody that's not qualified and they need some help, we'll get them financed. So that made a great value proposition or represent a great value proposition for the lender because instead of turning somebody down and sending them out the door, they had a place to go. Now, the issue was once the customer had been referred to us, if they had a substandard credit score, we often saw a situation where without credit remediation or credit restoration, they wouldn't get the best rate or we wouldn't be able to do the loan either. Back in those days, we could do an FHA loan for somebody who had a score as low as 500. That was part of the problem. But the point was that we took people who were not credit qualified and introduced them to a company called Credit Matters. Credit Matters would challenge the derogatory information on their credit report. And over a period of four to six months, get as much as 40 to 60% of the derogatory information removed from the report legally and raise that score by anywhere from 40 to 100 points. That made a whole group of people that could not get a mortgage, could not qualify for a mortgage, able to qualify. Why I did that at the time was it was a tool to enable people who could not qualify for a mortgage to raise their scores and ultimately get the financing they needed to either buy a home or refinance the mortgage. That's fantastic. I think today consumers are even more sensitive to the impact of credit score because it's been becoming more of a well-known concept. You had mentioned before we started recording that it doesn't really matter what your current score is. There potentially is always room for improvement. So even if you have a great credit score, if you can still improve it, it might also improve the terms or interest rate or options that are available to you. So this show today is really for any consumer, not just those who have maybe challenged credit, but those who may have exceptional credit, but looking to continually improve it. Maybe share with us some steps to getting better credit score. For example, I know this is a pretty common theme that folks should review their credit report regularly. I'm not sure how many consumers truly do it. The system makes it available to you annually. So talk about the importance of that. Well, in the 1970s, there was a piece of legislation passed called the Fair Credit Reporting Act. It's been amended several times, but it's still a key piece of legislation in terms of a consumer's right to challenge what's being said about them by the credit bureaus. There are three main credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. These are not government agencies. It's important that people realize that these are simply for-profit companies whose business is to collect information about you and me and then sell it to banks 
or landlords or insurance companies or employers or landlords or anyone else who's willing to pay for it. They buy that information and they make a decision about each of us as to whether or not we are a good candidate for whatever it is that they're looking to do. In other words, banks looking for creditworthiness. Credit score is simply a numerical indication of your history in terms of making payments on time or not. There are risk models that are used by a company called FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation. These are the models that are used by the banks when they pull your credit. Information is collected by the three major credit reporting agencies on each of us. You're familiar with the surveillance cameras that are everywhere today. I mean, you can't make a left turn without them being able to go back and check to see if you made it properly. Surveillance in the credit business has been happening since the 1970s, where every payment is reported, every missed payment is reported, how much debt you have, where you work, how long you were there, information that can lead to a responsible decision by a lender as to whether or not you're a good risk or not. When people come to me and they are irritated with the banks because they've been turned down, they tend to think that it's because the bank's a difficult place to deal with. And many of these people are real estate investors. And I said, look, you know, the banks are only looking to rent money and they want you to pay your rent on time. You're in the real estate business, so wouldn't you like to know whether somebody's going to make their payments on time? Wouldn't you like to know if they trash an apartment before they got to you? History matters, maybe, it, it does. your track Absolutely. record? Absolutely. <laughs> so the credit report is exactly that. It's your report card of how you've done in terms of how much credit you've used versus the amount that's available to you. That's called the debt utilization ratio. If we look at what a score is, by the way, it's a pie chart. The two most important factors in determining your credit score is number one, your payment history, particularly over the last two years. And secondly, the amount of credit that you use as a percentage of what's available to you. So if you have late payments in the last two years of your credit history, that's 35% of the score. You mentioned people who have good credit. Let's take somebody who has good credit. The FICO model is a low of 300 and a high of 850. If you have a score of 800, which would mean on-time payments and a responsible use of credit, and you miss one payment, that could cost you 100 points. Mm, that's significant. So at the end of the day, it's important that you make your payments on time. And for the purpose of scoring credit, it's important that you realize that overuse of credit is an indicator to a bank that the risk is higher, that you may overextend yourself and not make your payment on the rental of their money hmm. on time. Even if you have, the fact is you have a lot of exposure because you use credit a lot. That could be an indicator that you could be late in the future. So it's a factor. Exactly. The wonderful thing about the credit, the whole credit question, is that it's a snapshot. Right. So you don't need perfect credit to get a loan. And just because I take a picture of today, I mean, you could have taken a picture of me yesterday and I look different than I look today. Same with the credit. It's changing every time. As a matter of fact, there are different risk models that are used. For example, for consumer finance, if you're going to apply for a car loan, let's say today, one of us goes out, we're going to apply for a car loan. We've just found a new house that we like, so we're going to apply for a mortgage loan. And we're going to need some furniture, so we're going to go to Sears and we're going to apply for a credit card because they said if you use your credit card, you'll get a 10% discount today, mm -hmm. whatever. On that day, three different companies could pull our credit. They'll run them through different risk models that are used by FICO, and our scores will be different at each place mm. because of the type of finance we were applying for. So your credit score is very changeable. It changes all the time. It moves all the time. And it can be managed. 
And that's what we do at Credit Matters, is help people manage their behavior so that when it comes time to apply for the loan, the credit score will match what the banks are looking for. To generalize, that's exactly what makes this work. When there are derogatory payments in the credit file, if you've been late on your mortgage, believe me, if you're applying for a mortgage, Mm. that's going to be a red flag to any lender. (laughs) On the other hand, if you are applying for an auto loan, it's not that that won't be important, but it could be weighted less Mm. or lower. If you've had a car repossessed, you can bet that will be really important to a lender that's making a car loan. Right. Well, now, I think we talked already about your step two, which is build a strong payment history and how important that is. But let's talk about credit cards. There's a lot of debate out there in the public as to whether or not credit cards are negative or positive on your credit score. Talk about how those impact someone's credit score. Okay. I once had a client looking for a $50,000 loan who had a net worth of $5 million. I could not get him qualified because he paid cash for everything. Remember, 35% of your score is determined by your payment history. You can't have an on-time payment history if you don't owe anybody any money. So it's not a bad thing to owe people money from the standpoint of being able to demonstrate that you make your payments on time. What banks really want to do, they want to lend money to people who don't need it. The secret to this is, what are the keys to making someone look like they don't need the money? Mm. Well, make your payments on time and don't use all of the credits available to you. And the computer will look at that and say, Tony doesn't need the money. How Perfect candidate, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just had that happen with a client in our lending business who could not get financed a year ago. They could not refinance their mortgage. They couldn't get a credit card. They wanted to buy a building for their business, and they were denied. Banker referred them to us. Credit Matters worked on their credit. Within six months, the credit score had improved. They got their mortgage refinanced. The rate went from 9% to 3 and 3 quarters. Incredible. The bank offered them credit cards, so now they had a little more flexibility. Mm. And just a few weeks ago, they closed on a line of credit for $250,000 that they could not qualify for before, all because we helped them look like they didn't need the money. Yeah. Amazing. I can't imagine what that did to their cash flow, going from nine to three and whatever. So incredible. Well, they were delighted. They were delighted. One of the primary messages here is that better outcomes are possible on my LinkedIn profile. And invite anybody to check it out because you can look at what we do there. Our basic premise is that we facilitate better outcomes in the areas of credit and finance. They're intimately related, but a credit score will also determine whether you get a job or not. It will be a factor. No doubt. Employers will pull your credit to see what kind of character you show. Now, years ago, when the banks were lending their own money, where they were lending their own depositors money, your dad would take you to the bank or the banker knew your father. They knew where you lived. They knew the house. They might have even financed the house you live in, that you grew up in. But there was a personal relationship between the banks and the potential customers of the bank. Those were in the days when the bank retained the loan. Now the loans are sold on the secondary market and turned into investment vehicles. Mm. You're familiar with those. So that's when the credit score became important because your banker used to know you were a know-your family. Sure. And if you didn't make your payments, they knew where you lived. <laughs> but the point is that personal knowledge of who you were and the character that you presented to them gave them the confidence to do a loan. In these days of securitized loans, the ultimate investor who will provide the capital to the bank that they will lend, and they'll sell the loan on the secondary market, replenish their capital reserves, and lend it again. These days, that character piece is replaced by the credit score. You're just information on paper, not a face across the table. Exactly right. So that's why you have to pay attention. So all of that information is reported to the credit bureaus by the creditors. 
So to your question about credit cards, absolutely you should mm-hmm. have a credit card or two. Ideally, you'll get the highest score on the 35% of the risk model that relates to making payments on time. You should have three or four payments reporting trade lines in the finance world, reporting positively to the credit bureaus. So a couple of credit cards on which you make payments on time is critical. Listen, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go back to that example you shared earlier. If I was applying for credit three different places on the same day, it started to make me wonder, of course, as the first person is looking at me with no inquiries recently. By the time the third one looks at it, there's prior inquiries. So let's address that impact when we return. Please stay tuned. Just for a moment, try to imagine you're dead. You think that's hard? Try this. You're dead, and you don't have life insurance. What would happen to your family's home, to your family's finances, or your family's future? Now here's a thought to put your mind at ease. Life insurance takes care of things should anything happen to you. Death may be hard to imagine, but without life insurance, it's simply unthinkable. Welcome back as we continue our conversation today with Chuck Harris, who's a credit specialist and commercial finance broker. We've been talking in the first part of the show just truly to understand what a credit score is and how to better improve it, regardless of what it currently is and the impact of that. Some of the examples you shared were just amazing, the impact of allowing a person to go from no loans to successful loans or even reducing their interest rate dramatically. Now, I remember you sharing that example of if I were to apply for credit at three different places, understand very few people do that on the same day. But if you had a series of needs in a short period of time, there has to be some impact to inquiries on my credit record. So share with us and our listeners, what's the impact of applying at a couple different places in a short period of time? Okay, if you apply for a mortgage, your inquiries within 30 days count as one. So the credit scoring models understand that if you're going to get a mortgage, you're going to shop for the best deal. You want the lowest interest rate. So they take into account the fact that you're going to be shopping, but you're probably only going to get one mortgage. So inquiries will count as one, and they won't report immediately. So typically, you could apply for a mortgage at 10 places, will count as one. The problem with credit cards is that they know you could go out and get other credit cards. Sure. You have three scores. The reason you have three different scores when you're looking for a mortgage is that there are three major credit reporting agencies. For the purposes of obtaining a residential loan, they will pull all three scores and they'll take the middle score Mm. throughout the high, throughout the low, and the middle score will be the one that they use for underwriting purposes. Okay. And they're different because not every creditor reports to all three bureaus. Mm. Now, you have another step, which is properly handling your debts and legal issues. What do you mean by that? Properly handling your debts has to do with keeping in mind the end in view. Go back to Tony's question about the credit cards. You should have some and you should make your payments on time. What you need to know, though, is that when you're going to apply for credit, you'll get the highest score in the segment of the credit scoring risk model if your outstanding debt is no more than 30% of the credit that's available to you. So you can manage that. Now, if you're a business owner and you've used your business credit to Mm. run the business and you're maxed out, well, then you may have a problem paying $100,000 in credit card debt down to $30,000. But know that that option is available to you because of the snapshot feature of how credit is reported. I once had a guy that worked with us that used his credit card to buy a house on 66th and Blue Mound in Milwaukee, which is a nice neighborhood. Mm -hmm. The bank wanted to get rid of that property and they sold it to him 
It didn't need to be rehabbed, by the way. It was just a house that had been foreclosed on, and they wanted it out of their portfolio. They sold it him for $13,000 and put it on his credit card. Now, I would max out my credit card to buy a house that was worth $120,000 for $13,000. I'll do that every time. I might look for a second card just in case there's... <laughs> okay. But the point is, to me, I wouldn't fault anybody for maxing out their card to do that. Right. He rented that house the next month for $850 a month. Mm. And the cash flow from the house, because he had no mortgage, right. easily paid the credit cards. Point is that there would be a justifiable reason to go beyond 30%. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, who cares what your credit score is if you're not looking to buy anything? Right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but understand you can manage this so that when you're going to apply for a loan, you want to make sure that your on-time payment history is positive. And that should just be a part of everybody's thinking. Then the part of this that can be manipulated, which is your payments would be to make sure that on the month or two before you apply for the loan that you get your outstanding balances as close to 30% as possible. And there's two ways to do that. Make a payment or open a new credit card. Mm. Because if you've got $10,000 in credit lines mm. available to you... And you're maxed. And you're maxed, get another one for $10,000. It puts you at 50% immediately. Sure. Pay what you can to lower the 10000 now, whatever the numbers, they can be whatever you want. But the point is that that's something that you can control. Right. Well, this obviously leads into, with our limited time remaining, is tapping into the power of credit restoration or avoiding credit counseling. So let's wrap up for our listeners today, understanding what your thoughts are on that. At Credit Matters, we look at credit counseling as from the devil. Hmm. And there are different kinds of credit counseling. But what we're talking about, when you see the ad, typically on late night TV, mm -hmm. that we can save you from disaster, and basically what these agencies do, or some of them, you will pay your money to them. They will negotiate with the credit card companies to lower your payments or lower your rates. You send the money to them. They, in turn, make the payment. So this is something that people really love, unfortunately, because it lowers the monthly expenditure and cash flow is always a critical factor. But the fact is that not all of those companies are reputable, mm. and they don't always make the payments on time. You can be late on the payment all by yourself. You don't need somebody else to help you with that. <laughs> right, you can be late right. all by yourself. So that's one thing. The other thing is that while they have reduced your payments, the fact is that the creditors evaluate your payment history based on the original agreement you had with them. So if you agreed to pay them $100 a month, and the credit counseling agency or the debt management agency works out so that you can pay $50 a month or $75 a month. That feels good because you don't have to make that whole payment. However, you're still late to the credit bureau. You're still late because you haven't made the payment according to your original agreement. Hmm. And the other thing is that agency risk models consider that that is a voluntary bankruptcy, that you've literally voluntarily turned over your payment history to a third party, which is exactly what happens in Chapter 13. Yeah. And the other thing that I would point out before we end here is that people need to understand that for credit scoring purposes, any payment history on a mortgage obligation that is reported 90 days late is the same to the credit reporting agencies as a foreclosure. Wow. It's considered a foreclosure. Mm. You may have never gotten a summons. Even if you got a summons, you may not have lost the house. Just be 90 days late mm. on a real estate loan and it will report as a foreclosure. That's incredibly impactful. Today has been a wealth of education and knowledge. We probably could continue this conversation well into the twilight to continue to educate our consumers, but actually you stay tuned because we're going to have Chuck back and talk about this issue continuing on next week's show as we expand into impact on businesses. Thanks for joining us today.
Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to Thank a friend so or family member, to this just week's click the podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.